Um, as, you, as you get that handout, though, flip it over to the back side to begin with. You'll see there's a schedule down at the bottom for the, the final four Sundays in, in August uh, where we're going to talk about the doctrine of predestination, what we believe about it, what the Bible says about it. And uh, tonight we're going to do kind of an introduction and um, talk about four um, untenable positions. And we'll uh, talk about what that word untenable means in a minute if you don't know. And then next week we're going to look at um, a view of predestination where, where predestination is true and it's conditioned on God's foreknowledge. There are many people that believe that. And then on August the 23rd, we're going to look at um, another view of predestination where people believe that predestination is true um, and that it is not conditioned on God's foreknowledge. In fact, it's not conditioned on anything other than um, other than God's will, okay? And then the last uh, week in August, August the 30th, um, we'll hopefully have time for some questions and answers most, uh, most of that Sunday night. So um, as we're going through, if you're, if you're coming back, I hope you do come back each, um, each of the other three weeks to get the kind of the full presentation, the full um, thinking through it. And as questions come up, um, I would encourage you to write those down. Um, we'll hopefully take some time at the end of each week to answer some questions, but uh, we're going to have the, the uh, final week, August the 30th, set aside to answer big questions, have some big discussions. So um, as those things come up, write them, write them down. Um, so, so tonight I want to look at four um, untenable positions and then, then a conclusion at the end there if we have time, hopefully. Um, if you're not familiar with that word untenable, it means um, unable to hold, unable to be held. So these are, these are four positions that some people say that, uh, that they believe about predestination, but these are four positions that you shouldn't say that you believe about predestination, okay? A lot of people do, but you shouldn't. These are, these are bad things to say or bad things to think about, um, about predestination, okay? And so first of all, you might, you might have heard people say before, you might be someone who has said before, just simply, I don't believe in predestination, okay? And there are people, uh, believers in the church, there are possibly believers in our church even, um, who, who would say that? If you ask them, you know, what do you believe about predestination? They would say, I don't believe in predestination. And, and not because, uh, you know, there's a difference in saying I don't believe in some, or I don't believe anything about it because I don't know anything about it, right? That I haven't, I haven't developed a, a belief about a certain doctrine or certain idea yet because I haven't thought about that idea or studied that idea. That's different from saying I don't believe that it's true, right? And so that's what I'm saying. We shouldn't say that we don't believe predestination is true because, as, as Josh has already said, as we're going to see here in a minute, uh, the word predestination is used in the Bible. And so if that, if that word is in the Bible, then it must mean something. And so we have better believe something about it, right? So we shouldn't say we don't believe in, in predestination. And we can look at some different words in the Bible. I, this afternoon I looked up, uh, I just looked up three words in the, in the ESV uh, Bible, English Bible, and, um, and, and wrote down several passages. These are not all the passages, but several passages where these words are used. And so the first one is, is predestined, or predestined, or predestinate, or predestinated, or uh, words that, that from that predestined word group, okay? And, and what does that word mean? Um, it means to, de to destine beforehand, right? To, to set out uh, on a course beforehand. Destiny is kind of what we are 
what we're moving toward, what we're um, in, in, we, we don't, I don't want to use the word fate. Uh, that's not really a, a good word to use. Um, but, but there is a, an idea of that with destiny where something has been planned out before and, and it's predestined. So that means that it was planned out, not just it was planned out, but it was planned out before. Okay. And so it's, this word's used several places. Romans 8, uh, as, as Josh has already read, the beginning of the service, Romans 8, um, that word comes up in verses 29 and 30. Uh, we're going to read that a little bit later on. Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, that word comes up in verse 5 and verse 11. And we're going to look at that in, in more detail uh, here in a little bit. Turn with me, if, if you have your Bibles, or just listen to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, this is the sermon... Uh, being preached by uh, Peter, I believe. It's when Peter and John are, are there. And he says in, uh, actually this is after the sermon. This is once the sermon has, has ended. Um, and he's talking to believers after they've been released from, from prison. He says in verse 27, For truly in this city, in Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, talking about Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' death, right? All these people were gathered in Jerusalem against Jesus. And then verse 28 says, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And so this is a really, really interesting passage because you have, uh, you have they're, they're praying here to God, praying about what God is, has, has done and planned. And what they're saying is that these bad things that happened Right, Pontius, the bad things that Pontius Pilate did, the bad things that, that Herod did, the bad things that the Gentiles did, the bad things the people of Israel did in, in the whole passion of Jesus ending in his, in his death. All those bad things, it says, were predestined by God, were planned out to, to be done by God. Okay? And so we'll talk at some point in the series, we'll talk about, uh, about predestination and, and God's sovereignty. And also, how does that, how does that go along with human choices and, and decisions and those kind of things. But here it says even, even that was, was predestined, was planned out beforehand by, by God. Okay, so we have this, this predestined uh, word group that comes up. Another, another time that's used is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. And then we have a, have a word group uh, kind of around the word chose or choose or chosen, those, those kind of words, right? And we see that several places. Um, listen to what John says in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter, chapter 15. I'm going to look at verses 16 and then down to 19. He says, in verse 16, Jesus talking here, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And then verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so here Jesus is talking about choosing people, right? And so he, that, that word chose or chosen or choosing comes up. Um, it comes up again in, uh, in Romans chapter 11, verse 5. It comes up again in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We're going to look at that Ephesians passage again in more detail here in a, in a few minutes. So we have predestined, we have chose, and then we have another word group uh, kind of built around the word elect. Elect, elected, election, th those kind of words. 
And so in, um, we read that already in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Um, it comes up again in Romans chapter 9, verse 11. And we'll look at that passage, passage in more detail in a, in a couple of weeks. It comes up again in Romans chapter 11, in verses 7 and 28. Um, in 2 Timothy 2.10, and in Titus 1.1, 1, 1, uh, Timothy and Titus use that word elect as a, uh, as a word, as a name for the church, for believers, the elect. Um, in, in 2 Timothy 2.10, Timothy says that he's writing for the sake of the faith of the elect. He's writing this letter that the elect might believe and have faith in, in Jesus. And in, in Titus 1.1, 1, 1, he says he's writing to the elect. Um, they're in Crete, or, or Paul's writing those letters to Timothy and to Titus. But Paul says he's writing to the elect in, in, in Crete there. And so they're, they're, he, he's calling believers by that word. In Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read that passage. Matthew chapter 24. Um, starting in verse 22, Jesus here is talking about the, uh, what's going to happen toward the end of, end of the world. And he says, if I can find it, chapter 22, I'm sorry, chapter 24, verse 22, he says, And if those days had not been cut short, no human being will be saved. And he says, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And so again, he uses the word elect as a noun here, uh, describing a, a certain group of people. For the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. He's talking about the days of judgment that are coming at the end of the world. And then continuing on in verse 23, he says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. Verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will, will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, even if, even if possible, even the elect. And so again, he's using the elect here as a noun to name uh, this group of people. If we skip down to verse 29, same chapter, but verse 29, he says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And verse 31 says, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And so again here, Jesus is calling this group of, of believers the, the elect. And so that word is used that way. There, there, there are other places where it's used that way. In, um, in the book of James that we just started uh, that we just started studying. I believe it's in the book of James. He, at the beginning, he writes the letter to the elect exiles. Isn't that James? I think so. He writes it to the elect exiles. These, these chosen people, these elected people who are believing in Jesus but have been scattered to different parts of the world by tribulations, by trials that we're talking about in the book of James, by, um, by persecution, that kind of thing. And so this word is used all throughout the Bible. Sometimes it's used as a verb that God elected certain people for certain things, and we'll talk about that. Uh, sometimes it's used as a noun, like we've seen, to, to name a group of people, okay? But so, so one thing that we shouldn't say is, I don't believe in predestination. The word's there. Pre, the word predestined is there. The word chosen is there. The word election is there. The idea, the concept is all throughout the Bible. And so we have to believe something about it. We shouldn't say we don't believe it. Um, we have to believe something. Um, a second thing that we shouldn't say um, is 
that predestination, and, and sometimes we say this about other doctrines that are like predestination, we shouldn't say that predestination is divisive and unimportant. Sometimes, sometimes you might hear people talk like this. Sometimes maybe you've thought like this or talked like this yourself. You might say, okay, well, I guess I believe in predestination because that word's in the Bible and it's, it's there, but we shouldn't spend time worrying about it. We should just love Jesus and serve people and, 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 and that kind of thing. And we should love people and serve people and that kind of thing, right? But we should also think about what the Bible says. If that word is in the Bible, if that concept is, is in the Bible, it's there for a reason. And so we don't want to overemphasize this, this point, and, and there have been people uh, throughout church history and people alive today that have kind of made this mistake where all they ever want to talk about is predestination or election or, or, or that kind of thing. And they, they divide themselves up into these tiny little groups that, that, are, that are kind of differentiate themselves on the smallest of theological points. We don't want to overemphasize this point or this idea, this concept. But we also don't want to underemphasize it. We don't want to be afraid of it. We don't want to never talk about it. We don't want to, uh, to hide from it or, or anything like that. We want to, to give it its due place in, in the Bible. And so the way we do that, uh, one of the ways that we do that here is by preaching expositional sermons and preaching um, expository sermons through books of the Bible, right? So we just started a series on James. Well, if James talks about predestination, then guess what? We're going to preach about predestination when it comes up, right? If James doesn't mention it, then guess what? We're not going to try to force it in there somewhere. We're just going to preach what the Bible says. And if we come to a book that mentions uh, that, then we're going to talk about it. There's other doctrines this way, right? There's some, 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 uh, some kind of controversial things that, that, that Paul says in some of his letters about men and women and how they should relate to one another and, uh, and, and those kind of things. And, and we're not going to back away from those things. We're going to preach them straightforwardly as, as we come to them. And we should do that with this doctrine um, as well. We shouldn't say it's divisive. We shouldn't say that it's not important. Um, God's revealed this to us in his word. And if, um, if he did so, then, then we can trust that he did so for a good reason. And, and we can trust that he did so for our good, right? He revealed to us exactly what he decided we needed to know, exactly what he decided that, uh, that would be good for us to know, exactly what he decided would help us to love Jesus and serve people. And so um, if he revealed this to us, then we should we should read it closely. We should study it. We should think hard about it. We should try to understand it uh, to the best of our ability with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit in, in, the, in the church around us. But we shouldn't back away from it. We shouldn't underemphasize it. Um, we shouldn't say it's divisive or, or unimportant. We shouldn't avoid it. Okay? A third thing that we shouldn't say is, um, okay, so, so the word's in there and we got to face it. We can't hide from it. We're not going to pretend like it's not there. So what, what does it mean? Well, some people have said that, okay, yeah, so God predestines people. God chooses people. God elects people. But he chooses and elects people and predestines people for specific service, not for salvation. Okay? And so we shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say that God predestines people to service and not to salvation. We shouldn't say that. Now, does God predestine people to specific service? Absolutely does, right? Listen to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Yeah, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. He says, uh, he says this. But the Lord said to him, talking about Paul, what God said to Paul, it says, the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of 
of my name. And so there we see that word chosen, right? God chose Paul. But that's not talking about salvation. That's talking about God chose him for a specific task. He chose Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He chose Paul to be one who would go and plant churches and speak to kings and, and those kind of things, right? And so absolutely it's true. God chooses, God predestines, God, uh, God elects people for, for certain, uh, certain services. Again, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, we read this. Some of you ladies that are in the, and men that are in the Bible studies will be familiar with it because you just finished this, uh, this book. But chapter 12, verse 18 in 1 Corinthians, it says this. Uh, verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. He's talking here about how, how, the, how God has put people in churches and how God uses people to, just as you were talking about at the, at the prayer time or the, uh, the encouragement time about how God uses certain people in the nursery to, with the gifts that they have um, to serve the church. And it says that God does that, right? He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, in the church, each one of them, as he chose. So God chooses to put people in certain places, to put believers in certain places, um, that, that they might serve other believers in that same place. And so again, that's a, that's a choosing um, or an electing or predestining uh, for, for service. And absolutely God does that. Think, think of some Old Testament stories. Think of Abraham, right? God chose for Abraham to leave his home in Ur and to travel across the, the desert to the promised land or to begin that journey. He he was dead before they made it all the way, but he chose Abraham to leave Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans, where he was from, and to start the family of Israel, to start the family line of Israel. Um, God chose Abraham. To, he didn't choose someone else to do that, right? He didn't choose Lot to do that. Lot went with Abraham, and, and yet he chose Abraham, not Lot, right? When we get to Abraham's sons, he chose Isaac to pass the, the bloodline through, not Ishmael, right? And, and so there are, there are times in the Bible, uh, think about David. God chose David to be king of Israel after Saul. He didn't choose any of David's brothers. Remember, they, uh, they, brought, the, they brought Samuel and they, they prayed at him before all the, or prayed at all the brothers before him and wanted him to choose one of the older brothers that was strong and handsome and those kind of things, but he didn't choose any of them. And he says, is there any more? And they said, there's one, you know, the youngest son, but he's kind of scraggly and scrawny and nothing impressive. He's out with the sheep right now. And Samuel said, go get him. And they waited and that was the one that God chose. And so God chose David for a specific purpose to be the king. Um, as we just read, God chose Paul for a specific purpose to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So absolutely, God chooses people for service, but he also, the Bible seems to say, and we're going to look at how, how that works out in details, the Bible also seems to say that God chooses people for salvation. Look at just two places. Uh, look, at, look at Romans 8 that we've already read. And tonight, we're kind of, I know this is kind of an overview, kind of introduction, we're going kind of fast. It might be a little frustrating to you. We might raise, raise a few more questions than, than get answered tonight. Um, but, but look at this. Romans 8, chapter 28, or chap, chapter 8, verse 28. He says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, right? It doesn't say that all things work together for good for all people. It doesn't say that. It says all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's, that's another word that I didn't put in the, in the beginning, uh, but that's another word that comes up a lot in the Bible, this word called. In English, that's often a translation of the same word that's sometimes, uh, sometimes translated elect. 
That could be the same word in, in Greek, or, or, but in English it comes across both ways. But here he says, we know that for, all, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What did he predestine people for? To be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's talking about salvation. He's not talking here about how he called people or predestined people to a specific task. He does that, but that's not what he's talking about here. Here he's talking about how he predestined people to be made like Jesus. He predestined people to be justified and to be sanctified and to be glorified. Right? That's salvation language. And so, yes, God does uh, predestine people, choose people, elect people for certain service throughout the Bible, for certain specific tasks, and even in our lives today. Um, but he also chooses predestines for, for salvation. Another passage where we see this very clearly is in, uh, is in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Okay? I'm not going to read that right now because we're going to look at that in more detail here in a second. Um, but another place where he, where he clearly is talking about salvation with these words is, uh, is Ephesians chapter 1. Okay? So we shouldn't say, I don't believe in predestination. We shouldn't say, okay, predestination's in there, but it's not really that important. We shouldn't worry about it that much. We don't want to overemphasize it, but we also don't want to underemphasize it. Um, and then we shouldn't say, okay, well, so God predestines, but that's not talking about salvation. He predestines people to service, okay? He does both. And then, and then finally, num number four, they're not numbered, but on the back of your sheet at the top. Um, God predestines people to salvation corporately, not individually. Okay, again, this is something that we shouldn't say. Uh, God predestines people to salvation corporately, not individually. And we, we're not going to get too technical here. We could get really technical here, but we're not going to. Um, but we should not say that God predestines people to salvation corporately, not individually. And, and here, here's what I mean. There are people who say, okay, the Bible uses predestination. We've got to believe something about it. Um, and, and, okay, a lot of times it's talking about service, but there are some times where it talks about salvation. So it's got to mean something. So how do, we, how, do, how do we understand that? And they say, okay, so here's, here's what predestination means. It means that God chose the plan, not the man. Okay? That's wrong. But that's what some people say. They say God chose the plan, not the, not the man. Um, there, when, I, when I had a job early, or soon after I moved here, when I was in seminary still and, and was working, um, I would listen to the radio all day. I worked in a warehouse, and I would listen to the radio pretty much all day long. And uh, I worked in this small warehouse, worked in there by myself, and had the radio on and had taught radio on a lot. And there was a radio show that came on every afternoon, I think, maybe just Wednesday afternoons, I can't remember, but it came on at least once a week. And it was a, it was a Church of Christ uh, um, radio show. It was a, two Church of Christ pastors who, uh, who just had a call-in show, and people could call in and ask questions. And if nobody called in, they had topics that they would talk about. Um, it was like a 30-minute show, um, maybe an hour show, I can't remember. Um, but they'd have people call in. And this is something they would say often when they were talking about predestination. They would say, okay, so, so the Bible does talk about predestination, but, but what the Bible says is that God shows that all who are in Christ will be saved. But God didn't choose which individuals are going to be in Christ. Okay? God chose the plan, but he didn't choose the individuals. He said he, he chose that everybody who believes in Jesus and, and repents of their sins will be saved. But God didn't predestine who it is that will repent of their sins and believe in, in, in Jesus. Okay? 
So they say God chose the plan. He set the plan in place, but he didn't choose individual people to be a part of it. Well, let's look at, let's look at Ephesians 1. We've been kind of putting that off. I've been mentioning it and said we're going to look at it. Let's look at it. Ephesians 1. And if we, read, if we read part of Ephesians 1, some of the passages in Ephesians 1, some of the verses here, maybe, maybe they have a point. Maybe they have something going. Look at, look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, God the Father has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay? So, yeah, God chose us, but he chose us in Christ. And so, really what, what, what Paul's saying is that God chose Christ, and then all those that are in him become the elect whenever they believe and, and, and repent of their sins. If we skip down just a little bit, verse 7, kind of seems it could be that way as well. And verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So how do we get redemption through his blood? It's by being in him. And so God has, has decided that all those who are in him will be redeemed. But he didn't decide who's going to be in him. And then finally, verse 11. Again, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so, yeah, okay, so yeah, predestination does mean salvation, but it doesn't mean that God chooses individuals. It means that God chose the plan, put the plan in place. God chose Jesus to be the, the mediator of salvation, the, the, the convoy of salvation. I'm not sure if that's the right way to use that word. Um, and then all those who are in him get that, okay? And, and they get it from there. But let's look a little bit closer. Look at, look at verse 5. So verses 3 and 4 do say uh, that God has um, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. But look at verse 5. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so in verse 5, he, he makes it clear that he's, no, he's choosing people to be adopted. He's cho- it seems like he's choosing individuals to be adopted. It seems like verse 5 is saying he is choosing the people who are going to be in Christ. Because he chose us to be adopted into, into Christ. And then uh, look at verses 7 through 10. We read verse 7 already. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, verse 8 says, which he lavished upon us all in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. And so what is it in verse 9 that God is choosing to do? He's choosing to make known to us the mystery of his will. What is the mystery of his will? Well, the mystery of his will is all those who are in Christ will be saved, right? And so here Paul's saying not, not, only is he, not only is God setting out the plan, and the plan is that Jesus is going to die for our sins, and if we're uh, washed in his blood and we're found to be in him, then we'll be saved. Not only is God predestining that plan to happen, but it says that God's also predestining to reveal that plan to us. And so it's not just that he's making the plan, but he's also revealing that plan to certain people. Okay? And I don't think he's revealing it to everyone because look or listen to John chapter 6. 
in John chapter 6, again, this is Jesus speaking, and he says in verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, no one can, can come to me, no one can be found in me, no one can be, uh, no one can be adopted into me without the Father drawing him. Okay? Yeah, John 6, 44. No man can come to me unless the Father draws him to me. So it's, I don't think it's true that God uh, designs the plan, but he doesn't predestine the people. It seems like the Bible says, um, if we want to put all these in, a, in kind of a positive way instead of a negative way, uh, I've, I've laid out the four things we shouldn't believe. So if you want to turn those into four things that we should believe, well, we should believe in predestination. We should believe that that's in the Bible. We, we should believe that it's good for us to know and to think about and to, uh, and, and to believe. We should believe that God predestines people to serve him in certain specific ways and also that he predestines people for salvation. And then we should believe that God predestines individuals to salvation. Okay? And, and sometimes that's hard for us to believe, right? Sometimes it's really, really hard for us to believe, especially if we haven't really thought through it much um, it can be really difficult for us to believe. And, and yet that seems to be what the Bible says. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a couple, couple ways that, that we can understand that. Okay? One is that God does predestine individuals to salvation, but that predestination is, con- is uh, conditioned on his foreknowledge, what he knows about people. And then there's an, another view that, that God predestined individuals to salvation, and it's not conditioned on anything other than his, his own will. But to, to close out tonight, I, w- I want to ask one final question in kind of our conclusion is, um, I think there's a blank on your sheet there. If so, the conclusion is theological triage, okay? And we've talked about this some before. If you're, if you're not familiar with that word, uh, we know what theological means, things to having to do with God. Um, the word triage is, is a hospital term, hospital word. If you go to the emergency room, there's a triage nurse that works in the emergency room. Uh, maybe other parts of the hospital too, I'm not sure. But if you, if you go to the ER, it's not a first come first serve basis, right? If you go to the ER, it's based on the severity of your, uh, whatever's wrong with you. If you go to the ER and you are having a heart attack, you're probably going to get in before the person who's been sitting there for three hours with a broken hand, right? Even though he's been there longer, you're probably going to get in first because your, your ailment is more serious. And so when we think about, think about this in, in terms of theology, we can think about kind of three levels of, of doctrine, three levels of, of theology, three levels of beliefs. And there's some things we would say that go in level one that are kind of the, the, the most, um, the, the most um, consequence-driven, the ones that have the most severe consequences. And so these are things where we would say, you know, if we have a disagreement on, on, on these things, then one of us is not really a Christian. I mean, those are to the level where, where we're not really believing the same religion here, okay? So that would be things like, does God exist, right? If someone doesn't believe God exists, well, I do believe God exists, so we're not on the same page on that one, right? Um, another one would be, is Jesus really God? Is Jesus really man, right? So some things like that would be in, in that category. Um, and then there's a, there's a second level category where we would say, if we're going to disagree about these things, um, I'm not going to say that you're not a believer, and I hope you're not going to say that I'm not a believer. We're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be different religions here, but we are going to say that, you know, 
we can do some things together. I can, I can love you. We can serve together in, in some ways, but we can't be members of the same church together, right? And those are things like, we've talked about this before, but those are things like baptism. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. We're a Baptist church now. Uh, and so if I were to move back to Tennessee, I couldn't join my parents' church. If they were to move here, they couldn't join our church. I've been to my parents' church, and I go worship with them from time to time when I'm in town. I've preached at their church before, and I would do that again when I'm in town. My parents have come here and attended our church before, and, 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 and hopefully they will again. But we can't be members of the same church because what are we going to do? When, some, when one of these new couples that are getting married soon, when they start having babies, are we going to baptize those, those infants, or are we not going to baptize them? Are we only going to baptize believers, or are we going to baptize uh, people who haven't made a profession of faith yet? Right? And so we can't really be part of the same church because we, we can't work that out. There's some other things that, that would go in that category as well, but these are things that, that mean we can, we can love one another. We prayed for, for Mount Holly Methodist Church a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning worship service. We can, uh, you know, we can, we can hope the best for them with, with the gospel. We could do some mission trips with them. If we were to go to, to uh, some of y'all that were here when we used to go to Alpha County, if we were to go to Alpha County for a mission trip, and we were, because when we go there, we do like service projects on houses and, and, and food and those kind of things. Um, yeah, we could, we could do that as a joint mission trip with Mount Holly Methodist. And we go together and serve that community and give them, you know, give out turkeys for Thanksgiving and help fix their houses and those kind of things. Absolutely we could. And share the gospel with people while we're there together as, as, as members of different churches. Absolutely we could. But we probably couldn't do a mission trip together in, uh, like we've been doing in Mexico with reaching and teaching. Because we're going to have to teach certain things, and there, there are certain types of churches that are in Mexico. And so if, if, if we go and Mount Holly Methodist goes together, well, what type of churches are we planting in Mexico, right? Are we going to plant churches that baptize infants, or are we going to plant churches that don't? And so there's some things that where we can, we can cooperate together, love one another, serve together, and then there's some things where we can't, and, and we can't be members of the same church. And then there are things that go into the, the third that category, and these are things where we can have disagreements over them. Um, you can try to convince me that I'm wrong and you're right. I can try to convince you that you're wrong and I'm right. We can study the Bible together and we can have sharp disagreements and, and, and arguments in a, in a good sense, right? Not, not arguments where we get mad at each other, but arguments where we try to wrestle with what the Bible really says and what's really true and am I misunderstanding something in this passage or are you misunderstanding something over here and how do these things fit together? Um, but we can still be part of the same church. And these are things like the, the end times is a good example, right? As long as everybody believes that Jesus is going to come back one day, the details of how that's going to happen and when that's going to happen, we can have some serious disagreements about that. We can uh, kind of go at it in, in Sunday school classes or, or Bible study groups and try to convince one another of different, different views or different understandings. But as long as we think he's coming back, then we can still be part of the same church, right? And so when we think about the doctrine of predestination, where, where would this go um, within that, within that three-tier structure. And it really depends on who you ask, to be honest with you. Some people uh, make such a big deal about it that it might go in one of the higher categories, and other people um, make such a little deal about it that it may not even go in any category at all, because who cares? We never talk about it, so it doesn't really matter, right? But I would say it's in the third category. I would say it's in a category where we can, as long as we believe on the one hand, the Bible says that God is sovereign and God saves people, we don't save ourselves, God saves us, and God begins the process of salvation. And we haven't talked about it tonight because it's not what we're studying tonight, but the Bible also says that people make choices. And the Bible also says that people make decisions and that people believe the gospel, right? No one's ever going to be saved without believing the gospel. 
and repenting of their sins. And so as long as we believe both of those things are true, yes, absolutely. God's sovereign. God's in control. God, uh, God saves people. God begins the process of salvation. And people have choices, and people have real choices. We can, we can kind of struggle some with trying to understand how those two things fit together. Um, we, can, we can have some disagreements over how those things fit together and what exactly this passage means and how exactly it fits with this other passage over here and, and those kind of questions. We can, we can have some disagreements over some of that stuff and still be part of the same church and love one another, serve one another, um, pray for one another, uh, be united in, in what we believe. Um, I don't have a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message, but if you, if you read the Baptist Faith and Message, I read through it this morning, um, the Baptist Faith and Message doesn't take a stand on predestination. It doesn't. It talks, you may remember Matt, uh, Pastor Matt preached back a few weeks ago on um, God's purpose of grace. There's a category in the Baptist Faith and Message, God's purpose of grace, and it talks about how God initiates salvation and how God works in salvation, it, but it also says that it's not to, um, I forget the wording, but it's not to the detriment of the human will or something like that. Uh, that, that, that the will's involved, people decide, people make choices. Um, and I think it's on purpose that the Baptist Faith and Message does that because the writers of it, those who, who put it together and then the churches that voted to approve it, they wanted some ambiguity there because it's okay to have some disagreements, some, some differences of, uh, of understanding on that topic, right? There's, not a, there's, not a, there's no ambiguity on what the word baptism means in the Baptist Faith and Message, right? It clearly means immersion and that's all it means, right? There's no, there's no ambiguity about that at all. But there is some ambiguity on this topic because it's something that we can have some, some disagreements over and have some misunderstandings over and, 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 and that kind of thing. To be honest with you, um, you know, we have four pastors here, Josh, Matt, Jake, and me, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure what Matt believes exactly about predestination. I'm not really 100% sure what Jake believes about predestination. I'm not 100% sure what Josh believes about predestination. We, we've had some discussions of, about it before. Um, but, but we're, we're maybe not necessarily all on the same page about it. We might disagree with one another over, over some, some small details about it, right? And, and that's okay. That's okay. Because it's, in, it's in, that, in that third level where we can do that. Um, so, so these are the four things we don't want to say. We don't want to say that it's not true because the word's in there. It means something. We don't want to say it doesn't matter because God put it in there for a purpose, right? And we don't want to say it's only to service, not to salvation. That's kind of a cop-out an easy way out to not have to deal with what the Bible actually says because it, it clearly does refer to salvation at, at certain places. And then, and then another, another cop-out is we don't want to say, well, it's salvation, but it's not really individuals. It's, it's groups or whatever because, I mean, salvation is individual. And even if it's talking about, even if it's talking about um, predestination of groups, what are groups made out, of, made out of? Individuals, right? And so it still comes down to individuals. And so we don't want to give God the easy way out. We, he doesn't need us to defend him. Um, you know, sometimes we might read things in the Bible and think, man, I wish he didn't say it that way or wish he hadn't said, said that exactly or had, maybe he could have left that out. No, God, God put these things in there for a reason, for a purpose, because they're good for us to know. They're good for us to think about. It gives us, um, it gives us encouragement and gives us, um, 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 what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, confidence gives us confidence in sharing the gospel with people because we know that if we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit's working. It gives us confidence in praying for people because we know that those prayers have been ordained to work in the lives of those people, right? I think of when um, there's a, there's a, I can't cite exactly where it is, but there's a passage in the Bible where Paul is, I think it's Corinth, where he's been at Corinth for a long time and he hasn't seen uh, much, much results from his effort. I think it's Corinth. And he's thinking about leaving 
But he says, you know what? I'm not going to leave because I know that God has people here. And so I'm going to stay and share the gospel and, and, and work knowing that God's going to reward my efforts and that God's going to um, bring the harvest if I, if I stay and work. And so those are a few things that, that this doctrine is good for us for. Um, so hopefully you'll come back next week and the week after um, as, as we look at some different understandings of predestination, how it fits with, with human decisions, human responsibility, um, and then be thinking of questions this week. If you have questions, feel free to email them to me. Um, you can write them down. Um, I, I'm probably not going to email you back. We'll probably wait and do them, you know, answer them publicly on, on that last Sunday. But, um, but be thinking about those and writing those down. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for, uh, for a good Sunday night. God, thank you for, for this topic. God, I thank you that you revealed this to us in your word. And I pray that you would help us to, uh, to think well about it. Help us to, 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 to work hard to understand what, um, what your word tells us. And, and God, not, not just as a, as a way of knowing a lot of stuff and having this kind of intellectual knowledge, trivia kind of, kind of thing. Um, but God, you, you put this topic in the Bible because it's good for us to know, and it's, it's good for us to know um, practically. It helps us to live, and it helps us to love you, and helps us to serve our community, and, and, and helps us to, to love our church better. And so God, I pray you would help us over the next few weeks to, to think well, to understand well, uh, but then also to, to think through and apply how it affects our day-to-day -day, uh, following Jesus. And God, we thank you for him and pray these things in his name. Amen.